0: Welcome in to another episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Far Jimmy and the host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope your week is going very well as training camp is now underway. Chiefs training camp has kicked off today. The first official practice with everyone there. Uh, a few players already have reported. Rookies uh, have to be there a little bit earlier as well as quarterbacks. But a few other players, a few veterans show up a little bit early as well and one veteran who showed up early D Ford. He was there talking to the media and has been involved with the team a little bit as far as practice session goes and I want to talk about him later on in the podcast. I wrote an article about him on arrowheadattic.com and I want to get into that article a little bit later on and why I think D Ford, yes, D Ford is the most important player at Chiefs training camp this year. A lot of other topics I want to get into, Bashad Breland. Breeland. Now I do. I, I will say, by the time you may be listening to this, things could possibly change. So we'll discuss the Bashad Breeland topic from all aspects. He may have signed. He may sign by the time this happens. But uh, it, it, as of right now, it's very likely he will sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll tell you why that's the case and what the Chiefs could be getting in Bashad Breeland and how that helps. Kansas City's situation at the cornerback position. A lot to get into with that. I'll give you guys kind of a look back at his four-year career with the Washington Redskins. Also, I want to talk about the AFC West as it, it looks like the national perspective, and I know it's been this way for quite a while this offseason, but I had a fairly solid idea that the Chiefs had some respect in this division, but it appears that a lot of people think it's going to be One of the other three teams winning the division, not the Chiefs. And I think it's kind of interesting. I guess the Chiefs could surprise some teams. Maybe we could be surprised ourselves. I'll talk about that later on as well. Plus, I do want to talk about this whole national anthem drama, not necessarily the whole details of it, because it's only continuing to get crazier and and people are just wanting to attack the other side. I have a simple solution. All I want to talk about is a solution for this. I don't want to get into the details of this because we've talked about this so much. There is a simple solution that both sides need to work on. I'll tell you what that is later on as well. And speaking of the National Anthem, and of course, Donald Trump, uh, President Donald Trump, he's, uh, he, he's talked about this quite a lot in detail. He was in Kansas City, and one former... Big name athlete in Kansas City greeted him as Trump stepped out of Air Force One, and that athlete is getting slammed by uh, by fans here in Kansas City. Uh, I'll talk about that and whether or not you know we should really look into that too much, or whether or not we our opinions of a certain person should change because of their political beliefs. Uh, I'll get into that in the closing segments. Plus, here. What one person did spending a lot of money for his son's birthday. I'll tell you who and what exactly they did with that money. You won't believe what this person did. We'll talk about all of that in the closing segments of the podcast. If you guys want to interact with me, you can do so in a couple of easy ways. Facebook.com slash Farzine and That is my Facebook page. Like my page. Follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. That is the tweet machine for you guys. And also... My email, farzine at farzinevusugian.com. Very little time to waste. A lot to get into here on this episode. Uh, Let's start with the whole Bashad Breland situation. Because this is... This is starting to get a lot of coverage here in Kansas City. If you Google Bashad Breland right now, it is just Kansas City media that is talking about him right now. And it seems more and more likely that he is going to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. It was reported by Adam Schefter that he will visit the Chiefs. Uh, He he mentioned this over the weekend, or before the weekend, rather, that he will visit the Chiefs and the Raiders in the next couple of days. Uh, He actually did sign a three-year deal worth $24 million back in March with the Carolina Panthers. However, that was all voided due to... Breland failing a physical. Now it appears that he has figured out whatever the issue was, and now he's ready to go back into things. Uh, but I guess there's no interest in going to the Panthers, and maybe the Panthers don't have interest in him. I'm not too familiar with that situation, but what I do know and what everyone knows is that Breland uh seems like he's going to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. And why is this the case? Why why is there such a strong premonition that this is going to happen? Well. Bashad Breeland has been sticking around St. Joe uh, for a couple of days now, has yet to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs, but he is in St. Joe. Uh, in fact, he was on the sidelines right next to defensive coordinator Bob Sutton. And I'll just say this right now, there's no reason for a guy to stand next to uh, a coordinator, a head coach, or, or any assistant and watch uh, players uh during drills or practice and when i say a player i'm talking about a player that's not even with the team this is a free agent we're talking about here none of this should be happening unless he is going to sign with the team why would the chiefs allow a player or any nfl team for that matter why would they allow a player to be around these kinds of practices when it is only supposed to be the players now yes i understand uh, especially for training camp, it is an open session. Uh, you're going to have uh, the media. They're, they're, they're going to be filming. It's open to the public. A lot of these practices are. So fans can easily film the entire uh, practice session on their phones. Uh, so anyone can be anywhere at any time for these training. If Bill Belichick wanted to come to St. Joe for one practice, I, technically he's allowed. I mean, look, look what, what makes him any different than a fan? Obviously, he'd be doing himself a disservice by not coaching his team, but you get the idea. My point is, any player, any coach can pretty much be anywhere they want to. Now, of course, there would be a certain fine because Belichick is contractually supposed to be coaching Patriots practice sessions, not necessarily at other teams' practice sessions, but you get the idea. Any free agent could, could, could be at any of these practice sessions uh, for, for all 32 teams as training camp's underway. For all of them uh, by the end of the week. My point is. He's going to be with the Kansas City Chiefs. My guess. They have agreed to terms on something. And Breland wants to be with the Chiefs. More than the Raiders and any other team. Perhaps they are working on some of the details of the contract. And his agent is working on that with general manager Brett Veach. Who we haven't really talked about a whole lot on this podcast. And he's really done a good job putting this team together this offseason. Uh, he's really been a big part for a guy who's had this job for just a little over a year now. And even last year, when he had, what, just a little over a month before training camp, still got to work, still did a lot in bringing in the players that he felt he he was able to obtain during training camp at the preseason, right before the regular season, He ain't even doing some work in the regular season with Harrison Butker. So we know Brett Veach, uh, if he's bringing in a guy, this is someone who we definitely need to to trust right now. And, of course, he's done a lot this offseason, bringing in some great players in Kendall Fuller, Sammy Watkins, Anthony Hitchens. A lot of great players that we've discussed this offseason. So I'm really excited for this set of newcomers for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think I've been this excited for the newcomers the Chiefs have had. Probably since 2010, when the Chiefs brought in Ryan Lilja, they brought back Casey Wegman, they signed Thomas Jones uh, to, to really bolster that offensive side of the football. And of course, they drafted Eric Berry, uh, which really helped out that defense. And of course, a couple of great players, they drafted that. You are McCluster, uh, Javier Arenas, uh, Tony Moyaki. I know a lot of those guys didn't end up having... Long great careers, but still did very well that season in specific. And that was a great off season for the Chiefs. And I don't think I've been this excited for some of the offseason additions uh, since 2010. Uh, like I am right now. It kind of feels like Reggie Ragland's a, uh, an offseason addition this year. I know that sounds silly to say because he was acquired about this time a year ago. Uh, or a little less than a year ago. But the point being is, this is Reggie Ragland's first full offseason season. Under Andy Reid and Bob Sutton. I think that's going to make a big difference for Reggie Ragland. If you thought Reggie Ragland did great last year, let's see how he's going to do this season with an entire offseason to to spend working with Bob Sutton and all of the other players that he's going to be playing with for 2018. And hopefully, Bashad Breland can be part of that list. I know it would be a shorter off season for him, learning the system, but uh, hopefully, he can learn a lot from Kendall Fuller. And I mentioned Kendall Fuller because, as I mentioned, these two guys played in Washington. So, whenever Kendall, whatever Bashad Breland has a question about something, Kendall Fuller can probably translate that the best to him and say, "Hey, look." This is kind of how we did it in Washington. We're now supposed to be doing it this way in Kansas City. And I think that could make the transition a little bit smoother to having that familiar face in Kansas City. But you might be wondering, in case Bashad Breland has signed by the time you're listening to this podcast, what are the Chiefs getting in Bashad Breland? He's got eight career interceptions in the four seasons he's played. Had one interception last year. That's actually the fewest he's had in a single season. But it was the longest interception return he's had. In fact, they went for 96 yards and that gave him his first career defensive touchdown. He's had seven career forced fumbles. None of them coming in last year has had at least two or three in each of the first three seasons he has played in Washington. He's only missed four games in the four years he's been in the league since coming out of Clemson, played all 16 games his first season with the Redskins, uh, and has missed four games in the last three years. And at that position, uh, a very grueling position and a very difficult position to play in the NFL and in all of football, in college and in high school, uh, that, that's pretty good. You'll definitely take that from a guy uh, who's only missed four games in three seasons at that position. Certainly a very reliable player, a guy who you can expect to be there, be available for you consistently on game days. Now, as far as pro football focus, a lot of people value what they have to say. He was ranked 54th among cornerbacks in the NFL. Not good, but not bad either. He's a solid cover cornerback. In the NFL, and I think under Andy Reid, and uh, and again, I, I say Bob Sutton, I know a lot of Chiefs fans, not big fans of Bob Sutton, but a lot of people outside of Kansas City, uh, you know, people in the national media who have played this sport before, a lot of them have a lot of good things to say about Bob Sutton. So take that for what it's worth to you. But playing under Andy Reid, playing under Bob Sutton, playing under a position coach like Emmett Thomas at the defensive back's position that he coaches, I think Bashad Breland can do even better. He's had some solid years, again, not, not, not Pro Bowl type of seasons, but certainly been a serviceable cornerback. I think he's very similar to a guy like Brandon Flowers, never had the flashy stats, but has always been able to do his job very well more times than not. And again, I think just playing under those coaches right there that I mentioned can only make him a better cornerback. And what does this do to Kansas City's secondary? You've got David Amerson, who I've said all along, I think is a very underrated cornerback. And I never, I'm never, I not saying that because he's with the Chiefs. I've been saying that for a while. I've mentioned that in the Chiefs and Raiders previews that, that I've done in the past couple of years. Uh, anytime I've talked about the Raiders defense, and I mentioned David Amerson, I've always said he's been an underrated guy. And I, I was very stoked to see him in Kansas City. And that also goes to Kendall Fuller. Uh, of course, Rashad Breland would reunite with him. Uh, they spent the first, uh, the last two years as teammates in Washington. That was Kendall Fuller's first two years in the league, both with Washington. Of course, Fuller came from the Alex Smith trade. Kendall Fuller might go back to that slot position. Maybe he would, a lot of us, I, I at least thought that maybe he was going to go for that new role. Instead of being a slot corner, he was going to be one of the two starters at the cornerback position but maybe Kansas City wants him to remain at that slot cornerback position. He, wa- he he's rated as the 5th best cornerback on Pro Football Focus from 2017 and maybe the Chiefs want to keep him at that position. And I think it makes things interesting because what happens to a guy like Steven Nelson who didn't have a good 2018 or 2017 campaign. excuse me, but did a really great job in 2016 playing at the nickel corner position? Does is he going to be more involved in dime packages? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I think th- those are some of the questions that the Chiefs coaching staff has. And th- they'll get those answers during training camp. But there's a lot to really look at from that cornerback position. And adding Bashad Breland certainly makes things very interesting for a guy like Steven Nelson. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, assuming Bashad Breland will sign. And uh, at this point, uh, you know, for a guy who's been around... Uh, in St. Joe for a day or two, and has been in the sidelines uh, at Chiefs practice. Uh, I, I see it very likely that that he signs. I'd be very shocked if he didn't sign with the Chiefs. Let's look at the AFC West for a moment, because a lot of people outside of Kansas City don't think the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. The Sunday Night Football Facebook page put out a picture of the four teams. And ask fans, who do you think will win the AFC West? A lot of people think this is a wide open division. A lot of people are saying the Broncos will win because the rest of the division is weak. People are saying that the Chargers will win for the exact same reason. That there's no competition in the division. Same thing for the Raiders. You're not seeing a lot of people make that case for the Chiefs though. And a lot of people think the Chiefs will fall to last place in the AFC West after winning it back to back years. Now listen, I know as Chiefs fans, you only want to hear the positive things. You hate it when the national media doesn't praise your team. You want to hear people outside of Kansas City praise your team. I get it. I mean, every fan base is like that. But I think you have to be open to criticism as well. And the truth of, of the matter is, the Chiefs do have an unproven quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. Sure, the hype is there and all of that, but is is it possible there could be overhype? Maybe too much hype? Could we be going into a situation where maybe we could be in for a disappointment? Perhaps. I don't know. We don't know for sure. I think Patrick Mahomes will do well. I think he struggled in the first couple of games, but I think he'll learn from that and he'll be able to use the guys around him very well. I think this is going to be a very important training camp and preseason for Mahomes. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the Chiefs have planned for him in terms of how many snaps they want him to have in preseason game number one, number two, number three, and number four, as they'll be going up head-to-head against other teams. And that's when the live action will, will take place. You'll see the hard hits in those preseason games, whereas you won't see them in preseason games. So, We'll see, and I know a lot of people want to bring up the highlights from Mahomes and past preseason games and in that Week 17 game, but the fact of the matter is, and I'll include the Week 17 game in this, Mahomes played five preseason games. And I know people will take that as an insult for Week 17, but again, let's face it, uh, the Chiefs were in this position so much from 2007 through 2012. Week 17 for a lot of NFL teams, they just want to get it over with. They love the game of football, sure, but they just want to play the game get their paycheck if the coaches want to put in the backups to see what they have in, for their future then they'll they'll do that and they just want to pack it up clean out their lockers and head home for the off season and that's the mindset that the Broncos really had in week 17 after a long after the long season that they had but a lot of people think that and I'll say this lot of people think it's going to be the Chargers as the Chargers and I'll include the Raiders as well they certainly made a surge mid-season in fact I I think Chiefs fans are forgetting about this there was a three-way tie for first place in the AFC West at one point during the second half of the season when Kansas City was dealing with that brick in the wall that they ran into and people don't know this but the three-way tie Actually benefited Kansas City. Had it been just a two-way tie. If it was just the Raiders or the Chargers. That tied first place with the Chiefs. The Chiefs would have been in second place at some point. But because it was a, three-way, uh, a three-team tie. And because the rules of the tiebreaker. Are different for two teams than three teams. Having three teams tied for first place. It actually benefited Kansas City. In keeping them in first place. People don't realize that. So for right now. A lot of people think it's going to be the Chargers and just the revamped offense that they have with Phillip Rivers and the very strong pass rushing duo in Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, guys who certainly gave Alex Smith some trouble last season in the two games they've played together. So we'll see how that all pans out. But I think Patrick Mahomes, like I said, I think he will struggle in the first four weeks. They're going up against some really good pass rushers. I've mentioned that in the podcast before. I'm not going to go into details of that again. You guys can all go back and listen to the podcast. All of them are archived, of course. But there is this sense of, you know, is Patrick Mahomes going to be able to live up to the hype? That's the narrative outside of Kansas City. And I think he certainly will. Maybe not right away. But with this offense, an in, in, in underrated offensive line, plus, how do you not excel? How do you not succeed when you have Travis Kelsey as your tight end, Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins as your wide receivers, plus a couple of other good wide receivers on the depth chart and Chris Conley, DeAnthony Thomas, uh, Demarcus Robinson, who I, I really hope stays on the team. I hope he, he survives the uh, roster cut because this guy made some flashes last year and I certainly think he has the capability of one day being a starter in the nfl climbing his way up the depth chart and of course never forget yes you have kareem hunt the leading rusher in the nfl as a rookie but under andy reed's offense it doesn't matter who the running back is they all tend to succeed because that's just what happens under for an offense under andy Reid. So I think a lot of people outside of Kansas City are going to be surprised how good this team will be offensively. Defensively, there's a lot of criticism surrounding the Chiefs, and I think that's certainly understandable. The Chiefs took a giant step back defensively and took a giant step forward offensively. Certainly did not expect that to happen in 2017, but that's the way things ended up unfolding. For the Chiefs' defense, they'll be getting back Eric Berry. I think that's going to be a big piece for them. That will certainly help improve the defense. Hopefully, Justin Houston can return to his 2014 uh, Pro Bowl form when he had 22 sacks. In fact, Adam Teicher has an article about that on ESPN. How the Chiefs plan to get Justin Houston back to that 2014 form. You've got D. Ford, who I'll touch on in just a moment. Hopefully, he can play in, in the form that he was in in 2016. When he was voted as a Pro Bowl alternate. And I think you've got an underrated front seven uh, with a guy like Chris Jones. And I think Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland certainly are going to surprise a lot of people as the inside linebacking duo for the Chiefs. Keep in mind, last year, you're starting two inside linebackers in week one in that NFL kickoff game at Foxborough. It was Derek Johnson and Rameek Wilson. Derek Johnson's now with the Raiders and Rameek Wilson now with the Rams. So this is a defense that I think is going to certainly improve in a lot of areas. Defensively speaking, when you look at some of the numbers as a team, 28th in total defense, allowing 365 yards per game. 29th against the pass, allowing 247 yards per game. And 25th in stopping with the run, 118 yards per game. They're at 15th though. And points allowed, just a little more than 21 points per game allowed. Certainly not bad, but definitely room for improvement. Now when you look at being 28th in total defense, 29th against the pass and 25th against the run, with the additions the Chiefs have made this offseason, and I've forgotten the the draft picks as well too, uh, look at Breland Speaks, uh, a guy who certainly could make some noise and maybe help out this team defensively. And this was an all-defensive draft to Dorian Daniel, who the Chiefs brought in, 90 Speaks, uh, a lot of defensive players Armani Watts a guy who could maybe sneak his way into a starting role uh, maybe not at week one but maybe early on depending what happens with a veteran like Robert Golden or if Daniel Sorensen's not a guy who the chiefs are confident in letting start letting him start, maybe Armani Watts comes through and finds himself starting a lot of games. I think with the offseason additions you have defensively, it's hard to not improve. From those numbers, I would expect the Chiefs to at least be in the top twenty in all of these categories for 2018. Certainly not great. I mean, if you're if you're nineteenth, eighteenth, twentieth, even in in those categories, certainly not good. But it's definitely a lot better, and I think it'll make a big difference. Uh, if the Chiefs were twentieth in all of those categories last year, I think a couple of those losses could have turned into wins for the Chiefs. Uh, from from last season in 2017, but I think the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they should be favorite to win the AFC West. We had Matt Miller on the podcast earlier this off season. He had mentioned that, and I, I and I'm not saying that just because Matt Miller said it. Hey, let's take his uh, word for it—only his word. But uh, he had some valid reasons for that, and you, you never know. I, I think Denver, from a coaching standpoint, you know, sure they got a new quarterback in Case Keenum, but Uh, You you know, I I still wonder, is Vance Joseph the guy that they want to build around? Is is he the coach that's capable of rebuilding the Broncos? That's one thing uh, that I'm concerned about with the Broncos going into 2018. The Raiders, I'll say this about the Raiders right now, and I mentioned the Chargers, but the Raiders? I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback. 2016 Derek Carr was a game away... I mean, that that injury allowed the Chiefs to sneak back into first place in the AFC West. And if he stays healthy, not only do the Raiders win the AFC West, but Derek Carr probably challenges Tom Brady more than anyone for the the title of MVP for 2016. 2017, a completely different Derek Carr after he earned a record-breaking NFL contract. Certainly not the type of player... That you want playing under that kind of contract. So 2018 is going to be a very interesting year for for Derek Carr. Now, from a con- contract standpoint, unless the Raiders really want to restructure it after this season, that that's up to them. Uh, I'm not ju- judging him from a contract. I'm just from from here on out. This is how I'll judge Derek Carr: how he does in 2018. Are we going to get 2016 Derek Carr, where he really succeeded, made Michael Crabtree look great, made Armani Cooper look outstanding? Or are we going to get 2017 Derek Carr, the guy who took a big step back, uh, coming back from his injury? That's the biggest question I have for the Raiders going into 2018. And listen, there are question marks around the Chiefs too. They it, Certainly, I, I don't think we, we should discredit the, the other three teams. I think Chiefs fans are really underestimating the type of damage that all these other teams can do especially to the Chiefs, especially to a redshirt rookie QB like Mahomes, uh, who's going to be dealing with uh, some really good pass rushers in the AFC West. A lot of great pass rushers. A lot of great pass rushers. And that's something that he's going to have to do. I think that's going to be be his biggest learning curve, is being able to play well in these divisional games when there are a lot of very good defenses uh, in these divisional games. And everyone knows these divisional games certainly mean the most and being able to have a good division record like the Chiefs have had since 2015, that's going to be crucial for them uh, going forward and trying to win as many games as possible and win that AFC West title for a third consecutive season. The Chiefs have never done it for back-to-back years until this past season and certainly want to go for the trifecta and continue to keep rolling and keep dominating the AFC West. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash FarzineVisugin. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Already have a discussion about that going on the Facebook page. And already seeing some of your guys' comments on there. So let me know what you think about this. Go comment on the Facebook page and join in on the discussion on that. Now, I do want to go back to D Ford. As I think this is going to be a very important training camp for him. How does he do? I th- And I know... Generally, we're not supposed to take preseason success too seriously because, you know, we've seen players not do great. Let me just put it this way. Remember the 0-16 Detroit Lions? That same Detroit Lions football team was 4-0 in the preseason. So you can never take preseason success or preseason failure too personally now, granted, you know, playing well and winning certainly is more encouraging than looking flat-out terrible, although I will say, I remember in Tyreek Hill's uh, final preseason game as a rookie, he dropped three passes in that game against the Packers. I still remember that game very well, and I thought there is no way Tyree Kill is making this football team. Uh, he's got to be on the roster bubble, and with a performance like that, how do you give him a roster spot? And sure enough... Tyreek Hill, I'm calling him, I'm predicting him as the MVP for this upcoming season. So we all know that Peyton Manning, if I'm not mistaken, if it was his first two passes or just in the first quarter he did this, but he threw two interceptions in his first preseason game with the Broncos. So I can bring up all sorts of examples how the preseason can really be deceiving to us but at the end of the day, I do think there are certain players who do need to do well in these preseason games. Uh, but also in training camp. Now again, we only see the preseason action, the training camp action, even the media being there. There are still certain things that they may not pick up on, that they think they may pick up on, that, that, that they think that the coaches will notice, but it's completely different. So with that said, take everything with how you may. I still think at the end of the day, D. Ford's got to really have a good training camp. This is a guy who had 11 sacks. All of them in the, what, first, or or excuse me, 10 sacks, rather. In the first 10 games of the 2016 season, the only time he was able to get to the quarterback after that was in the playoff loss uh, against the Steelers, getting half of a sack on Ben Roethlisberger. Last year, only available in six games as... He had some issues with his knees and eventually came back and now he says he's feeling excellent and hopes to do much better in 2018. But that 2016 form, if we can get that kind of Dford Ford on a consistent level, this is going to be the same outside linebacking duo we pretty much saw in 2013 with Justin Houston and Tom Bahali as those two guys were big factors in helping Kansas City get off to that 9-0 and start. I think you'll see that kind of a a, a pass rushing duo if D Ford can do that on a consistent basis. Listen, D Ford, we've got to cut him some sack. This guy was labeled as a bust very early in his career. People forgot this guy was drafted and had to play behind two Pro Bowl outside linebackers. It's pretty hard to get some playing time when the position you're playing has not one, but a pair of elite guys in Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. Now with Justin Houston's injuries and Tom Bahali also uh missing uh, some games uh last season, we did see a lot of D Ford in 2014, 2015, uh, and 2016. Uh, excuse me, not 2014. 2015 and 2016 is what I meant. Uh as well as last season with with Tom Bahali's absence, but we saw some really great moments, some solid moments, some flashes, and then we saw some really bad moments in D Dfo- with D Ford. Not exactly sure what which D. Ford we're going to, same exact thing with Derek Carr, great 2016 season, not a good season in 2017, so what are we going to get in 2018? Is it going to be the 2016 D. Ford, the one who did well in the first half of that season, but hopefully can do that on a consistent basis, or do we get 2017 D. Ford, and I think we got to maybe put an asterisk there because he did deal with some injuries in his knee that kept him out for 10 games that year. No one knows exactly, and I think that's why he is the most important player to keep an eye on in training camp and in the preseason games, and I think it's important for him to to succeed and do well in order to be able to stay ahead on the depth chart, and listen, you know the Chiefs didn't have a first round draft pick, but with their first pick in the second round, they used it on an outside linebacker in Brilliant Speaks, and D Ford, more than anybody, knows why the Chiefs made that draft pick because they're they're looking to to secure themselves. They want to take, make sure they're taking care about that position in case D Ford's not ready to go or if he's not doing well. So this is going to be a very important training camp for D Ford this year. Before we go to the closing segments for this podcast, I do want to touch on the national anthem drama. That's just continuing to 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 be discussed as the rule now is there is no rule And players are allowed to protest. There are teams out there that are putting in a team-imposed rule saying that there will be fines and or suspensions if players on their team do protest. Donald Trump has continued to speak out on this and he's not very happy that this rule change took place. I I, I gave Trump a little bit of credit for... Trying to reach for a solution when he said he would pardon certain players at NFL, or pardon certain people that players may ask for, but I don't think that, that'll that lead to a solution. It was a start, it was a start, but unfortunately this attacking uh, back and forth from both sides, and again, neither side is, is, is on the positive side. I, I'm with the players and their First Amendment rights, I get that they want to speak out against police brutality and racism, and I'm completely for that, but when you want to attack the other side, I, I just think it looks bad on, on on everyone. Both sides have been attacking the other side. And I know I'm asking a lot here, but because we're in such a negative era in life where there is all this negativity. People want to be negative. They want to approach another person and belittle them because they, are, they come from a different walk of life. We see people immediately putting up their camera phones and, and just basically recording the belligerent words that some people spew out of their mouths when they meet someone they don't like simply because of their ethnicity or they're that they're they're just different from them we're just in a negative time frame folks so I know I'm asking a lot here and I know with Trump's ego this is asking even a lot more but would it hurt for Donald Trump as the president of the United States to reach out to guys like Colin Kaepernick Who obviously was the trend starter here. Would it hurt to reach out to Marshawn Lynch. Who Trump went after quite a lot on social media last year. What about a guy like Marcus Peters. Who was very well known for protesting in a lot of the games last year. In fact to to correct myself. He actually protested every game that he was on the field for. At some point he actually changed and stayed in, in the tunnel. Then came out after the anthem. In fact, I remember Marcus Peters, the idea that I'm proposing, Marcus Peters actually had this. He actually tweeted Trump and said, hey, look, why don't we meet together and and discuss some things? Now, the way he went about it in that tweet, not the standard way I think you should have done it, but the, the attempt, I think, is what matters now more than anything, because both sides just want to attack the other. Nobody wants to listen to the other side. People just want to give their side on why the other they just want to have their take on why the other side is wrong people want to ignore the real reason why players are protesting during the anthem and and people don't want to meet in the middle nobody wants to extend up that olive branch so i'm putting this on the president of the united states you want to go after the nfl players and you want them to stand fine you have every right to to want that and feel that way instead of attacking players constantly, why don't you call Kaepernick and Marshawn Lynch and Peters and meet with him on these issues? And folks, don't tell me that he's the president and he's too busy doing other things, such as meeting with other leaders. If he is taking the time to go on Twitter and go after the NFL on these issues, then I'm sure he can make the time to meet with these people and try to figure out what can we do to come to a solution, what can we do to reduce these problems? And have everyone stand in uniform during the anthem. I know that's asking a lot. Because, again, like I said, with Trump's ego and the heavy negativity we have, it's hard for people to want to come to a solution. When you're arguing with a family member, a spouse, whoever, do you just want to bicker, yell, and argue all the time? Or do you want to figure things out and come to a solution? I think that's a very obvious answer. Everyone wants to come to the solution and end, uh, just expunge whatever problem it is that they have. But unfortunately, we're not seeing anyone want to meet in the middle here. That's why I'm saying both sides are in the wrong here. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Do you think it's a realistic possibility th- for that to happen? Let me know. Facebook.com slash Twitter.com slash do one You can yes, also email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Big news coming out of Indianapolis as Colts head coach, new head coach, Frank Reich, formerly the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, says he planned on playing quarterback Andrew Luck in the first preseason game. As you may remember, Andrew Luck earlier this offseason was seen throwing for the first time in forever. Obviously missed all of last season due to recovering from shoulder surgery, dealing with so many injuries in his throwing motion, his throwing arm, uh, just a lot of issues he's dealt with. He has missed 26 games Since 2015, including all 16 last year. This is going to be very interesting because the AFC South, the past couple of years, has been won by either the Texans, when they haven't even had a stable quarterback, or the Titans, when they won with Mariota taking a big step back. And a big reason why the Titans made a head coaching change after... They were eliminated from the playoffs. Kinda shocking, but despite beating the Chiefs the way they did, Mike Malarkey was fired, and they feel like he's a big reason why Marcus Mariota regressed uh, in his third season in the NFL. So is Mike Vrabel, former Chiefs outside linebacker, longtime patriot, is he going to be able to make that change? And can Deshaun Watson stay healthy? Because that's gonna make a very interesting AFC South. And now with Andrew Luck coming back, can the Colts dominate this division once again? Shockingly, the Colts have not been the top dog the past couple of years. Maybe last year not a shocker because they were without Luck. But the years before that, man, uh, very shocking to see the Texans win the AFC South back-to-back years despite playing so many different quarterbacks during that time. Bill Belichick refused to address any questions About the Malcolm Butler situation. Listen. Why even ask. Belichick any questions. About any of these things. You know anyone. Bill Belichick has been around the game. For a long time. At this point you know that. In the non-written rule. For Bill Belichick press conferences. Number one is. He will not talk about the past. He only talks about the present. And the present only. So. Wanting him to dwell on something that happened in the past is just not gonna. It's just not gonna happen. It's not an option for Belichick. And say what you want about Spygate, Flake, and all the controversies he's been a part of. The thing that I'll, I'll admire the most about Belichick is his mental toughness to want to stay focused in the now. And I think that's why the Patriots have been so successful is his focus as a head coach, and that carries through the rest of the coaching staff and the players as well. I think that's a big reason why the Patriots have been so successful over the years. And Bill Belichick's... Just his mindset is a big reason why. Follow what I want to talk about here. Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald. Not going to be at training camp. Holding out for uh, the second year in a row. And he wants more money. And I saw an article on ESPN. Is it time for the Rams to simply pay Aaron Donald? And I don't know if you can... Say that you're just going to pay Aaron Donald. They extended Todd Gurley. They, they gave a lot of money to Brandon Cooks. And oh, guess what? They traded for Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters for really cheap deals. And you have to think about those guys too. Maybe Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters do very well and you want to keep them around for a very long time. This is going to be a big test for general manager Les Snead because how does he play this out? You got to be very careful here because... There is the potential to want to keep a guy like Marcus Peters, who we all know about very well. And we know the potential with Peters to have a a great career in the NFL. And maybe the Rams feel like they want to move forward more with Peters than with Donald. And they'd be willing to open up that checkbook for him instead of Donald. It's going to be a very interesting year for the Rams and yeah, how does Aaron Donald play that out? Kind of makes me wonder, you know, should the Chiefs have demanded Aaron Donald in that trade? I don't. I, I know we can't really touch on that too much. It, it, it's not really worth the discussion since it's over with. Uh, I know a lot of people still talking about the loss of Peters, but man, I, I, I think looking back, that, that could be a move that the Chiefs would have really wanted to have happen, knowing what we know now with this holdout. But who knows? Maybe there's an opportunity... That the Chiefs could acquire him in free agency in the future, but obviously that's uh, much down, much longer down the road. Time to go out of bounds. Man, I bet it'd be great to be Dana White's son. Dana White, the president of the UFC, spent more than one million dollars on a birthday party. For his son. Who by the way turned 16. Now what exactly did they do? Dana White rented out a nightclub in Las Vegas. Which is where Dana White lives. And of course that's where the UFC headquarters are. Rented out a nightclub for his son's 16th birthday. What in the hell does a 16 year old need a 1 million dollar birthday bash for. Let alone a nightclub. If this kid gets a $1 million birthday party, imagine what kind of a birthday party this kid will expect for his 21st birthday. I think that's a very reasonable question, right? By the way, the million dollars Dana White spent on his son, it was more than a million dollars. But that is more than all the fighters he paid on the night of the uh, season finale of uh, The Ultimate Fighter which took place uh, earlier this month on July the sixth. Not the U, not, not the UFC 226 event. Not that one. The one that happened the night before uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale. All the fighters combined, including the bonuses, made nine hundred thousand dollars. Dana White spent a million dollars on uh, his son's birthday. I, on his sixteenth birthday. I bet it'd be great to be Dana White's son as a 16-year-old. But imagine that. If you're 16 years old, you know, your dad's got a lot of money. He's, he's going to throw this million-dollar birthday bash. All the girls are definitely coming to that party. <laughs> Dana White's son's a pretty lucky guy. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, good for this inventor, by the way, in London who created a jet suit. Uh, in fact, the, the article actually does compare it to uh, Marvel's Iron Man. In uh, the way this jet suit is kind of created and the way it works, you can go as fast as 32 miles per hour and you can go up uh, up to 12,000 feet. And the price for this in American dollars is uh, is on sale for $445,000. So whoever, you know, uh, owns the Drace nightclub. In Las Vegas, you know, the million dollars that Dana White just gave you, you could you could use half of that on this jet suit. Let's be honest here. Who in the hell is going to spend all of that money? And who truly needs a jet suit? What, are, what exactly are you going to do with a jet suit? What do you need that for? It'd be cool, don't get me wrong. But are you really going to spend all that money? I mean, you can buy a fairly decent, a really nice house in the Kansas City area. Depending on, on on certain, every city is obviously a little bit different on, on pricing and such in neighborhoods as well. But four hundred forty-five thousand dollars, you can spend that on a fairly nice house, uh, at least in the Kansas City area. I don't know. I, I mean, you guys, let me know who honestly will spend all of that money for a jet suit and why. I think. Mean, I mean, let's use some logic here. Let's use our money on something more viable. By the way, final topic I, would, I want to discuss here: George Brett, of course, former Kansas City Royal, uh, heavily, well, easily the best Royals player in franchise history. He has been slammed recently because he was one of the first couple of people who greeted President Donald Trump when he landed in Kansas City and exited outside of Air Force One. George Brett was one of the very few, uh, one of the first five people who shook his hand and greeted him. And a lot of people are shocked, by the way, that Mayor Sly James did not get an invite, and the president is supposed to extend an invite to the mayors of the towns he visits, did not give one to Sly James, as he confirmed on Twitter, but somehow George Brett got in there. I kind of question that, but not the point here. My point is, are we so... Now, listen, George Brett's a very dislikable guy for many reasons. His attitude, the way he talks to fans when they... Approach him and want a picture or an autograph. You are the best player in Royals history. Give the people a time of day uh, for a picture and such. I don't think it would hurt. But the point being here is, should we... A lot of people say they hate George Britt or they've lost all respect for him because of this. Are we really going to let our opinions change because of someone's political opinion are we really going to dictate our lives because of politics i get politics has has really affected us so much today but listen i love wearing under armor gear the the ceo of under armor endorsed donald trump i'm not going to stop wearing under armor because uh the guy endorsed trump a lot of people are canceling their subscription to Netflix because Barack and Michelle Obama have a big hand in in something, some sort of project with Netflix. You're really going to cancel because of Obama? I mean, look, you don't have to love the guy, but you're really going to dictate, you know, your your movie viewing experience, in mean, which Netflix is a very popular way to do so. TV shows and movies, you're gonna let that really dictate your life, I think we're really letting... It's okay to have your political opinions. I mean, look, everyone has them. But to let it dictate your life on a personal level like this or to change your point of view about someone for their polit- political viewpoints because of the difference than yours, I think that's a big part that's hurting our society today. And going back to the National Anthem discussion that I had earlier, I think that's a big reason why we are continuing to discuss that because neither side wants to... Meet in the middle. And if we let this continue, the negativity will only continue. Time to throw some penalty flags. Imagine this happening to you. Iowa defensive lineman Brady Reef, arrested because he drunkenly mistook a police car for an Uber. I mean, I don't want to get too much into this. Obviously, very silly situation, very silly reason to get arrested for, but at least while drunk, he thought he was getting into the Uber. At least, look, it's the thought that counts, right? We've got to give him at least credit for that, at least trying to get into an Uber. Uh, But he got in the backseat of something different and much worse. Now, here are people who should be arrested, and I think this is completely innocuous for for people to do, but for the second time now, and maybe by the time this podcast is out, it'll happen again, but Lakers uh, Lakers fans continue to vandalize LeBron James murals. There's a very nice mural that has some of the Lakers legends, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. And then they have LeBron James in the middle as he's now going to be part of this special fraternity of of Lakers legends, essentially. And the, the part that has LeBron James has been vandalized. Now, good Samaritans have gone out there to help rebuild that and make it look just as good as it was before. But I think people are taking this way too personally. I get that for the longest time there was a debate between LeBron versus Kobe. Who is... Uh, the best to compare to, to Michael Jordan. Or who is better than Michael Jordan, as as some would feel. Listen, you can still have this debate and still appreciate LeBron being on the Lakers. I don't understand this whole deal with the Lakers being bad for a few years now. Now that they get the best player in the NBA, Lakers fans now, I, I mean, are they, are they hurt that they got the best player in the NBA? I don't get it. I've never seen a fan base so upset that they got... And uh, the, basically, the best player. I, I don't. Why would you not want the best player? I don't understand that. I can't get the logic in that. And wanting to. Not only is this vandalism. This is someone's hard work. Someone's hard artwork. And I'm not into art. I. I, I don't know a lot about art. But I can appreciate someone that takes the time to put together something really big like this or any piece of art. It's never easy to construct. And for people to go out there. And just vandalize it. It's asinine. It's immature. I think people need to grow up. And stop taking sports too personally. Final one before I'm out of here. And I can't believe I'm, I'm discussing this. Uh, but for those of you who work out at Planet Fitness. You know that Planet Fitness they, they they promote themselves the most by using the no-judge zone. Essentially meaning that they don't cater to bodybuilders necessarily. Planet Fitness is more for those who are just wanting to not be overweight. They just want to stay in decent shape. Maybe a little bit better than that. Uh, but they certainly don't cater to, to those who want to lift a lot of weights. Or uh, be some elite athlete. So to say, it's the no judge zone. You know, anyone of any size is welcome there. In fact, that's that's their target audience, which I think is a good targeting market uh, to to use. However, there's one man who took the no judge zone a little too seriously. Uh, I don't. I I, I never uh, cared to research the guy's name, but this doofus in New Hampshire uh, went out to a Planet Fitness gym, and worked out nude. Saying that he thought it was a no-judge zone and that no one would judge him for working out nude. This is... a terrible way to troll someone. You know what the no-judge zone means. That doesn't mean you go out there, act like a complete knucklehead, and make things uncomfortable for everyone else. not exactly sure what this guy was thinking or how bored he was or if he was under the influence of something a little crazy but yeah uh, I mean you want to talk about people getting arrested for drunkenly mistaking an Uber or vandalizing well this guy worked out nude at a public gym and got arrested for that and certainly should have been the case I mean look what, what why are you doing that in the first place what are you trying to accomplish by doing so I think we all know you accomplish nothing by doing that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Visugan, the host of the podcast. Appreciate you making this podcast part of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, your night, middle of the night. Whatever it is you do while you're working out, at work, cleaning the house, or just at home. Appreciate you guys making this podcast part of your day. Spread the word. Let your friends know. ...about the Chiefstone Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button and share it with your friends on social media. You guys can interact with me on social media... ...facebook.com slash Vesugian Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. A big thanks to all of you guys once again... ...for downloading and listening to this podcast. We'll be back next time on Thursday... And we'll have a lot to discuss. We'll go over training camp. And we're going to try to bring in some guests for the month of August. I don't want to say any names right now. But I'm working on getting a couple of guests for the month of August. It's going to be a very exciting month, of course, with training camp. There's going to be a lot to discuss. And we will break down everything that takes place. The top stories with Chiefs training camp and much more. Talk to you next week. Take care.